0: when freedom shivers in the cold shadow of true peril it's always the patriots who first hear the call we all have a choice we can either be sheep or shepherds and then there's a big bad wolf Something that gives the most common man the most uncommon of freedoms.
1: Buy a little freedom, buy a Hugo.
0: When ordinary hands can possess such an extraordinary instrument, that symbolizes the full measure of human dignity and liberty. Here's a couple
1: of things America got right. Cars and freedom.
2: Okay, uh, That's beautiful. No, yeah. that, but no, wait that, a I second. Heard, I, yeah, I heard Vin Diesel in there. And, <laughs> that was, that uh, that was and Dexter. Not, yeah. Dexter. That, yeah, that, those were car ads mixed
0: with... Wait, that wasn't just an NRA ad? No. no those no. were guys
2: talking about freedom. Actually, I don't think Charlton Heston mentioned uh, guns. You know, He's talking about the NRA, but didn't mention
0: guns. I don't think Vin Diesel mentioned cars either. They uh, mentioned freedom. They just
2: mentioned freedom because
1: that's what freedom is made of. Guns and cars, right?
0: <laughs> Actually, did you hear that what's really freedom is a is a you-go? Yeah, you yes. buy a little freedom. <laughs> buy a you-go.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that is what we are talking about on The War on Cars. We are talking about guns, versus cars, which is worse for America? Or are they equally bad?
1: In America, we love our guns, and we love our cars. Uh,
2: who, who is this we? Yeah, who's this we that you're talking about? <laughs> What's
1: the matter, are you not a real American? Yeah,
2: I'm just
0: trying to do the war on cars here. Okay. No, but you know, it, it's an arms race, and, and if you want to protect yourself from your neighbor's car and gun, you need an even bigger car and gun.
2: Okay, okay, let's get this started. I am Doug Gordon, I'm a safe streets advocate. I'm here with Aaron Naprasek, the founding editor of Streetsblog, and Sarah Goodyear, a journalist who writes about safe streets.
1: None of the three of us currently owns a gun or a car, am I right?
0: Correct, but I, I do have my NRA marksman certificate from summer camp riflery when I was nine years old, I'm proud to say. Still have I, it.
2: I do not own a gun, I do not own a car, but you will pry my bicycle from my cold dead hands. From my cold
0: dead hands! Cold, dead hands.
2: Is How that, that just gonna keep happening? We're just gonna the ghost of Charlton Heston is just gonna keep yeah. popping up <laughs> yeah, we anytime we make a like a Planet of the yeah. Apes reference, he's gonna come up.
0: We're just gonna rotate between Vin Diesel, Charlton Heston. That's and, uh, good. We'll get, uh, get Vin as a
2: guest on the show next yeah. time, Fast and Furious. Um, before we get started, we have some news about our Patreon sponsorships. So if you give at the $2 level, you'll get one War on Cars sticker. If you give at the $5 level, you're now gonna be getting three War on Cars stickers because what's better than one? Three. And you can put them wherever you want to put them. Please don't put them on um, other people's bicycles. However, yeah,
1: but I've seen them now. There was just a picture posted of one in London. I think so. That's pretty exciting. Kind of exciting. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, someone posted one
2: near like London's most dangerous intersection. So that was pretty awesome. Do that more. We like seeing that. Uh, it, It tells us where our listeners are from, which is great.
0: And also where the where the war on cars needs to go. Last month we mentioned we have this amazing cleverhood electric blue clever zipster rain cape that we are giving away it's a size large so if you're about five foot nine or taller it'll fit you
2: yeah it is it's pretty awesome and here's what we're gonna do you do not have to donate a lot of money to uh, be eligible to get this thing if you donate at any level in January this new year you will be eligible to win it so what we will do is at the end of this month hopefully before our next or episode after that we will put all the names of our new donors in in a hat, virtual or real, maybe a bike helmet, and we will hold a drawing and announce that winner and let you know if it was you.
1: So head on over to thewaroncars.org, you click on Donate, make a new pledge at any level, and you'll be entered to win the Cleverhood Rain Cape. Thank you for being so generous.
2: Okay, so cars versus guns. They're both made of metal. They're both symbols of American freedom. They're both deadly as hell and killing a lot of people. Um, Yeah, a lot of people,
1: I mean, especially of children. I think you guys saw this headline that was ricocheting around the media, around New Year's. It got a lot of coverage, which was pretty questionable coverage. Uh, Doug, you have a story there, right?
2: Yeah, this is from NBC News. We'll put up a link. And um, here's the lead sentence. Guns are the second leading killer of U.S. kids after car crashes, according to a new report published Wednesday, nearly twice as many kids died from gun injuries as twenty sixteen as died from cancer. The study by a team at the University of Michigan found. Um, it also- wait,
1: wait a second. So they they, they talk in the lead of uh, about the second leading killer. That's the first thing they talk about.
0: Well, and that was and that was going all over media, everybody was flinging around this headline, guns are now the second leading killer.
2: Yeah, I mean, for those killer. of us who who are in this space of Safe Streets advocacy, it was maddening to watch this happen because it was just like, hey everybody, guess what the first leading cause of deaths for children is, cars, cars, cars. And
1: has been, and has been yeah. for a really long time. I mean, and and we're talking about thousands and thousands of children have died because of cars, and nobody wants to talk about that, ever.
2: And it's also going up. That's the other thing. It's going up for everybody. Pedestrian deaths are going up, but motor vehicle-related crashes for children, it continues to rise. It dipped a lot in the 90s and early 2000s, but is going up. I
0: mean, to be sort of fair to the headline, you know, spreaders and and writers that you can kind of see why gun safety advocates would want to make this comparison right now. Because one of the arguments that gun safety advocates make is that we should be regulating guns at least as well as we regulate cars. Right. So, you know, with, gun, with cars, you don't get to drive a car unless you've gone through some training when you're like 16 years old. You need a license. You need insurance. You're car has to get inspected every year. There are product recalls when something goes wrong with a car. Like there's actually quite a bit of regulation with cars. And with guns, we're just like, sure, go to Walmart, you know, get yourself an AR-15 and walk out. And there's yeah. really very little. Or
2: there's things like title transfer when you sell a car to another person. Meanwhile, in most places, you can just like hand a gun to somebody else. They give you At a hundred bucks yeah. and you're you're good to go.
1: Yeah, I did talk to Dr. Rebecca Cunningham, who's the lead uh, researcher on that, that study. And she said she thought that the reason that the gun figure got more attention was that it was just a novelty to people, the idea that guns actually do kill that many kids. And she said, well, people know about cars. And I thought about that afterwards. And I thought, you know, people may know about cars on some visceral level, but they don't want to admit it to themselves because what does everybody do with their precious child every morning everywhere in America is they put them in a car? And if they don't put them in the car, they have to put them near a car because there's no place in this country that you can go where your child is not exposed to cars all the time. You can ask about, is there a gun in the house on a play date? But you can't say, can you make sure that my child, while while on a play date with your child, is not in proximity to any cars? You can't ask <laughs> right. that
0: of anybody, yeah, yeah, it's right? right. So what Cunningham is essentially saying is like, you know, we get it, but it's not news that cars are killing, yeah. you know, almost 40,000 Americans every year. It is sort of news that now gun deaths are almost at 40,000 fatalities a year, too. They've essentially like crept up and are equal to each other. And I guess one of the concerns that you'd have to have with this is that we're going to become inured to gun deaths, just like we've become a nerd to car
2: death. Well, I think about that all the time, because if you think about the way car crashes make the news, they have to be spectacular. So a person who is just walking across the street, a single person who is hit by a driver who may or may not be drunk, who may or may not be distracted, it's really unlikely that that person's death or injury is covered on the news. But as in the case of something that happened tragically last year, when a driver ran over Two mothers and children in our neighborhood here in Park Slope that made the news because it was spectacular. So spectacularly horrific, you know, in in an awful way. uh, And some of the personalities involved obviously made it a kind of thing that was ripe for the tabloids. The same thing is happening with gun violence. Like a domestic dispute, an abusive man kills a woman. That happens every day, multiple times a day with firearms in this country, but it doesn't make the news. But a person shooting up a synagogue or a movie theater, that does. And and where, where I, I think you're right is that these things are only going to get covered on the news the bigger and more awful they are. And and that's the real danger of both of these things. We, we'll become completely blind to the day-to-day death toll and injury toll that these things have. The
1: other real danger is this idea of an arms race In both the vehicular and the firearm arena. Some people I know have started thinking about gun ownership for the first time in their lives because, well, what does happen if somebody walks in and starts shooting up a place? You know, people who never thought of owning a gun now think, maybe I should have a gun. And in the same way, people who might have said, well, I, I might like to try biking or walking or, you know, I'm going to buy a lighter, smaller car because it's more fuel efficient. Then look around and they see these things that have hoods that are four and a half feet off the ground. And they're like, I'm not safe to be around these things unless I'm in something equivalent or bigger.
0: Well, SUVs are like the AR-15s of cars. Um, there was this amazing National Post article um, that's a, a big Canadian paper that... Um, I think, should I just try to read the, yeah. the little yeah, snippet of it? Because it? it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. So this is actually a 2015 article. And in some ways, the, the whole SUV arms race, it's, it's really gotten worse since 2015. But here we go. It starts. Michelle Taylor's last words before she was crushed to death by a truck were, what does this idiot think he's doing? With her 83-year-old mother in the passenger seat, the 53-year-old high school teacher was driving along Ontario's Highway 9 in a Buick Regal when a truck started to drift over from the opposing lane. The vehicle was a burgundy Ford pickup customized with off-road tires and an aftermarket lift kit. And at the wheel was a teenager who had fallen asleep. In the split second before impact, Taylor slowed almost to a stop and pulled as far off the shoulder as she could. The first thing the truck's bumper would have hit was the Buick's hood. The thing just rolled right up and into the cab and crushed her, said her husband, James Taylor. On the positive side, it was instant death for my wife. The driver of the truck emerged virtually unscathed. A month after the collision, he posted a, quote, miss you on a Facebook photo of a large truck that was presumably the vehicle involved in the crash. Just this year, he was proudly posting photos of his newest rig, a GMC Denali with custom front bumper, off-road tires, and once again, a lift kit. And here we have a quote, from the dad's perspective, it was the smartest thing he could have done, said Taylor, of the parental decision to equip a teenager with a monster truck. Quote, I have an irresponsible young lad who's wanting to drive. I'm going to give him the biggest possible thing on the road so he doesn't get hurt. And sure enough, he never got hurt.
2: So what I find really interesting about that, the thing that stuck out to me was the, the Facebook thing. So he posts a picture of his old car. And then he posts a picture of his new car with another lift kit. And the lift kit, to me, and the big wheels and everything, that's the bump stock of of an AR-15, right? It's an aftermarket addition that is in a legal gray area, depending on where you live. And it's this fetishization of uh, an object that is lethal, a symbol of masculinity, probably for this you know, hormone ridden kid, right? And um, and, and intrinsic and it's awful. to
0: his identity, it's too. part
2: of his identity. He put it on his social media page.
1: I mean, I think one of the big problems is is something that we ignore at our peril, which is that there's a huge emotional component to this, and people love these things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they love them, and I will cop to it. Like I have loved cars. I have loved driving. You know, a Ford Mustang that had like way more ho- horsepower than it was necessary for anything.
0: Doug, I ha- Doug, Sarah's been cheating on us, and, oh, and
1: I will also cop to having enjoyed firing a gun. I used to live in Maine. In Maine, guns are not that big a deal, and they're all over the place. And you know, I had a friend who's like, "Hey, let's take some guns out behind the house and shoot some guns." And wow, I got to like you know shoot a Smith and Wesson. 38. It's a thrill. Let me tell you, it it is a thrill.
0: Well, so the question kind of becomes then, you know, how do you de-escalate an arms race? How do you change a culture fundamentally so that these, you know, people kind of detach their identity from their gun and their car? How do you give them something else to identify It's
2: hard, I think, because I think... With cars, a lot of it has to do, of course, with the built environment. So if you live here in New York City, not that there aren't people who don't love their cars and wash them every day and wax them every day and have photos of them on their social media pages, but you can express your identity in a city, in an urban environment, in so many different ways. And that's why fashion is big in urban centers, for example. But if you live in places where you don't have that much social interaction with people face to face, then... Your car becomes your identity. I have a friend who, when he moved to L.A., he said he just met so many people who lived in the crappiest of apartments. You know, maybe we're spending three, $400 a month. This was back in the 90s, but we're driving Mercedes because that was the thing that presented themselves to other people when they showed up somewhere else. And, you know, with guns, it's a little bit of the built environment, perhaps, because you do see more of this happening in rural environments where people are really fetishizing guns um, you know, Obama got in trouble for his like clinging to guns and religion mm-hmm. comment. So I will be that same coastal elite who will get in trouble for that comment. But I, I think that has something to do with it well, a little bit. Well,
0: but they could say you're fetishizing your bike, right? I mean, it's like you've, you know, you're Brooklyn spoke. You've like created a whole identity around your bike. And in some ways, I, I think that an organization like Transportation Alternatives, a big bike advocacy organization in New York, is in some ways similar to the NRA, in that.
1: Okay, wait, wait <laughs> no. Charlton
2: I, I'm, Heston. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting here, I'm waiting. <laughs> okay, I got a hot take By, coming, guys. Green bike lane paint, it's made of people. So
0: TA is, is an advocacy organization that is built around a kind of very specific technology, the, the bicycle, you know, we advocate for the bicycle and better bicycling. And the NRA is similar, it's built around the gun, the rifle, and both of these things, they're, they're fundamentally political organizations Um, fighting for the rights of bicyclists and gun owners. But what happens with them is they're successful when they are successful. It's because they have created a community. They've created a whole kind of lifestyle. And the people who are part of these groups, it, it becomes part of their identity. You're a cyclist, you're a gun owner, your family bikes, your family goes out and hunts. There's this like core identity attachment to the advocacy organization. And I I think a lot of groups don't succeed at that, but TA and NRA both do in this really fundamental way.
1: Well, some of the gun control advocacy groups are beginning to to kind of take some ground there, right? Because with the Parkland kids... That is an identity, right? Like a lot of young people especially are identifying with those kids Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, my identity is I want to be able to be free to be a young person who's carefree and thinking about, like, who do I have a crush on instead of am I going to die today? I was going to say
2: there's a huge difference between the NRA, which is an identity built on, like, I want to be able to go out and, and shoot things, whether it's, you know, deer for hunting or soda cans in my backyard, or at the firing range, versus I don't want to get shot. You know, that's but, a but, huge difference. And also with Tia, like, I don't want to die on my bicycle just going to work.
1: But it does come down to something that we see on, on the national level just playing out, you know, on an epic scale right now, which is, do we as Americans identify with something that is positive, or do we identify with something that's negative? Do we identify with, you know, I build a fence around my homestead and I stand there with my rifle and don't come in, or I'll shoot you. Or do we build it around like, hey, let's make a community, let's make a town, let's make a city where everybody can come together and have economic activity and well, all that's that? What,
2: when we brought this topic up as a potential episode, that is exactly what I thought of first: is that you know you have the homesteader who feels that his or her security is in his or her own hands, and then you have the urban dweller who feels that. Uh, Our security is bound up in what we do to each other and how we treat each other and what government we together do. And I think where there is a huge overlap with guns and cars is that as much as cars are regulated, when there is an epidemic of car violence we offload the responsibility for avoiding it to individuals. So children, wear a reflective vest when you're on a field trip and walking across the street. Um, cyclists, make sure you have lights on your, on your bicycle. Um, you are responsible for your own safety. There's no gun regulation in most parts of this country, and the responsibility for avoiding death falls on the individual. So now it's not reflective vests for kids crossing the street. It's bulletproof backpacks and um, lockdown drills and things like that. And we've we've almost kind of thrown up our hands in both areas, with some exceptions, um, that the government should have any role in preventing completely avoidable deaths.
0: All oh, right. So I mean, that this whole thing, I mean, that the core of this whole guns versus cars issue is our economic system, right? It's like a very structural kind of problem that we. Kind of don't believe in collective action in this country anymore in a lot of ways. We don't believe in public goods in many ways. So, yeah, so transportation and defense, those just become the jobs of the individual. And And so that means cars and that means guns instead of buses. And I don't know, it would be the opposite of guns.
2: The opposite of guns being no guns, right? That there should be places where guns are simply not allowed. Just as we as safe streets advocates say, there are places where there should not be cars.
1: But the economic part is even more structurally baked in because the entire United States economy runs on cars. Just look at any set of ads during a TV show or, or in a magazine or whatever, wherever they still have ads on the internet. It's cars, it's car insurance, it's gas, it's cars, 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 cars. Yeah, it's the auto
0: sprawl industrial complex is like the U.S. economy. Right, so
1: like when that was under threat during the recession, it was like, holy shit, we better... You know, bail we better this bail, out. Bail,
0: bail out the cars and bail out the home builders. Right, because I mean, like,
1: otherwise, right, the home builders who are building these sprawl developments that only exist because of cars. Right, and and why? Because we've built all these roads and infrastructure that has all this debt service on it. And you know,
0: yeah, I mean, well, it, and then on a macro level, we do also sell a lot of weaponry to the rest of the world. Right. I mean, an enormous chunk of the federal budget is just you know, arms, military, defense spending. So cars and guns are a huge chunk of our economy. I mean, that is probably the U.S. economy. It's like so, the cars and that guns. and iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. So, know.
1: you know, what I'd like to see as a potential solution for for stepping down some of this is to say we could retool the United States economy to create excellent jobs by building transit infrastructure that allows people to live without cars because we see that people, when they have it, they do wanna use it.
0: Okay, but can I ask, so if we, we sort of determined earlier that like these successful advocacy groups like the NRA and transportation alternatives, that one of the things that makes them work is they enable the members to, you know, forge an identity and community out of the advocacy. I wonder how you could do the same thing with like buses. I mean, cause actually truly to me, like riding on a bus, being able to like read a book or like talk to someone, not have to pay full attention, like driving down the road that actually is freedom, you yeah, know, yeah. but like you don't feel like, yeah, I'm a bus rider, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. in my, you know, 175 horsepower or whatever, whatever, you know, there's no like bus rider identity that makes yeah. you like really like feel like we need more of this in our city. I mean, yeah. how do you do that?
1: I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking as we've been sitting here about groups like Mothers Against Drunk Driving and Moms for... Isn't there a Moms, one for gun safety, too? It's uh, right? Moms Demand Action. Moms Demand yep. Action, right? So this idea of like that being a mom Caring is a life-giving, yeah. positive identity. But even in those cases, it's against a negative. Like it can't just be like... Moms for being happy, you know, moms for, you know, uh, an easier
2: life. The NRA for a long time had an advantage because their talking points were so simple. You have a gun, the government wants to take it away, and the Second Amendment says they can't. The end. That was their argument. Yeah, simple. Really simple. Whereas, like, what does it mean to live without a gun It's not tangible. It's harder to articulate. That's changing, unfortunately, because so many people are being killed. But I think that's the thing. They've always had the advantage because they have the thing that they could lose. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the negative... I like also how the war on cars now we're we're like, you know, we're like, we have to have a little more loving and positive message <laughs> yeah. says the war on cars. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah well, I mean,
1: you know, the war on cars, that name, we, we took it from people who were accusing us of waging a war on cars. And, you know, I mean, I think that's...
2: But that maybe gets us to this idea. Uh, we can jump around a little bit. Like what we can learn from uh, gun control advocates and what gun control advocates can learn from safe streets advocates and i think that clarity of language is one of them um you know emma gonzalez after the parkland shooting she was one of the kids from the high school they had the march for our lives and she had that amazing speech where she just like kind of laid out what the other side the gun the nra advocates Uh, would say, and then she just kept saying over and over again, we call BS.
0: Yeah. Um, None of this sort of mealy-mouthed, like... No, like, well, we're all for sensible gun control, and
2: look, we want common sense, and we think... No, she just said, we call BS. And I think that's one thing I personally have learned from these kids and from the movement, is that clarity of language and being direct about what you want. I want to be able to cross the street without being killed. Your parking space does not matter. That's BS. Um, as opposed to look, I know some people need a car to get to the grocery store. It's like no, there are too many cars. There are
0: too many guns, well, and so and so that's kind of where I've moved. And I think that I've I've taken some of that from the gun safety advocates too. Is that we in the safe streets world need to stop advocating for you know bulletproof backpacks on our kids? And what do I mean by that? we 've been very focused on you know armoring up our streets, so cyclists are getting killed. We need protected bike lanes, pedestrians are getting run over. We need bollards and bulb outs and neck down. We need to redesign the streets. we need to armor up our streets, put bulletproof on our streets so that these cars stop killing us and I think i 'm moving to a place where it 's like no, actually we need we need car control just yes. like we need gun control. We actually need fewer Vectors and machines of death. You know, there need to be many fewer cars on our streets, just like there need to be many fewer guns on our streets. So, and it's good. And I'm not saying don't build bike lanes and don't build bollards and blah, blah. Those are all good things and we should have them. But like, I do think that we've in some ways been advocating for the bulletproof rather than the gun control.
2: Yeah. I think one of the very similar things, like Aaron is saying about armoring up our streets, is that. By doing so, we are uh, tacitly acknowledging that cars are going to crash into stuff and possibly right. hurt people.
0: I mean, the good news on the car front is that I actually feel like it's probably not that hard for a city to get control over this, especially a city like New York. Well, you know the... why?
2: Because cars are not mentioned in the, in the Constitution. I mean, I really think yeah, that that's right. like this is the, Huge big, advantage. the big advantage here is that if, you know, if someone had a time machine and put cars in the, the Second Amendment, too, then we'd be in big trouble.
0: Right. But so in theory, it would not be that hard for a city to start to really regulate what kinds of cars are allowed on its streets. And you can easily imagine, well, you can't imagine the current mayor, but maybe the next mayor of New York City being like, look, like even if the state DMV controls the design and typology of the cars that are allowed to traverse our city streets, New York City itself still controls parking policy. We could create some kind of parking permit system that says, look, if you if you want to drive an enormous SUV in our crowded city, you can do that. But it's going to cost you, you know, a zillion dollars a month every time you want to park it somewhere or, you know, there's you can imagine a variety of mechanisms by which cities can get control of this.
1: Congestion pricing could could do this exact kind of thing by saying, you know, cars over a certain size are going to have to pay more, right? I mean, that seems like
2: something that's a feasible...
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's being done in other places.
2: Okay, so we've had a pretty good discussion here about this. So here's the question, though. Which are you, which are each of us personally more afraid of, cars or guns? Mm
1: -hmm. All right, well, I'm more afraid of cars because I am around them every second. They're all over the place, all around me, but also because... I often am in a position, especially on business trips, where I have to use a car, and that means that I could be a killer. And that's what really terrifies me. I am not going to kill anyone with a gun. That's almost certain. But the likelihood that someday I might inadvertently kill somebody with a car is not zero, and that is terrifying to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, like, I think you can make the case that cars are better than guns because guns are specifically designed and intended to shoot living beings and injure and kill them. But, for me personally living in a city like living in a city full of cars is like living in a city full of guns. I mean, sometimes I literally walk down the street and I just kind of imagine like damn, any one of these things could go off at any minute, yeah. roll up on the sidewalk and kill me. Like this is nuts. I'm just like walking around like a bunch of people with loaded guns in mean, their cars. But that that is literally how I look at cars because I've seen them go up on the sidewalk and you know, when you're like writing Streets Blog, you're writing every, you're covering this every week. Like you just see all this carnage and you realize like these will, can and do and constantly go off and kill people randomly every day all around the place.
2: I think for me, I'm more afraid of cars for the same reasons. I think that you are both for the potential to be killed and potentially kill someone else. But to kind of bring it back to where we started with with the rise of gun deaths, where I'm upset these days is that you can't, there are no refuges anymore. You can go places where you just don't have to think about stuff, like the movie theater or your synagogue or church, and those aren't sanctuaries anymore. Yeah. Because you do. I sit down in the movies now, and I think, like, if something happened, like, where do I go? Where's the exit? I'm with my kids. What do I do? So I'm more afraid of cars, but I think I'm just more overly upset that, like, we've now, even the last areas of peace and quiet in the United States are no longer necessarily safe depending on especially depending on where you live.
1: Yeah, I think that's
2: that's right. On that uplifting note, hey. give us lots of money so we can keep <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um thank you so much for listening. That is it for this episode of The War on Cars. Not sure we actually figured out how we're going to de-escalate this arms race, but I guess we got a little down that road. We're going to turn
0: bus riding into a, a part of your personal identity somehow.
2: Bus riding is cool. So yeah. people should send us their comments, their questions, suggestions. Send us an email at thewaroncars at gmail.com or tweet us at thewaroncars.
1: A few days ago, there were a bunch of people talking in Russian about our show,
2: and oh, then I was that good.
0: Do we
1: want that? Yeah, oh, they're really good. cool Russians. I can read Russian well enough to to see this. Yeah, so it's put, cool. Yeah, put a War um, on
2: Cars sticker on Lenin's tomb if you're really ambitious. <laughs> and, see how and, that you goes. know, and
1: wow. and you know, and then there was some Spanish language discussion about us. It's really exciting to see that the show is getting out there around the world. It's really cool. People care about this everywhere.
0: Don't forget to support us by going to thewaroncars.org. Click on Donate. Remember that if you become a Patreon supporter, you will be automatically entered to win a Cleverhood Rain Cape, which is a very, very good prize.
1: Also, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. Think of it as a stealth action in The War on Cars.
2: This episode was recorded by Peter Carl. Our producer is Curtis Fox. The music is by Nathaniel Goodyear. Danny Finkel of Crucial D did our logo. I'm Doug Gordon. I'm Sarah Goodyear.
0: I'm Aaron Naperstack. And this is The War on Cars. Bring us are loud.
1: this. You're
0: Zero APR on brand new 09 Santa Fe's and Tucson's now. And the Hyundai Assurance Program, plus a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Bob Roman, It's our summer showdown. You yeah. owe it to yourself. Bob Roarman's Indy Hyundai, just two blocks west of 465 East.